running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I just we can't wait to get to game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for joining us. JT out of the gate. Hope you're having a great day today. It is a big day as we have another entertainment stress test coming to town this weekend. There's so much happening in Vegas, and you can watch it, talk about it, and have a great time at PT's. Owned by Golden Entertainment. They also own the Strat. Arizona Charlie's, you can bet, you can gamble, you can play video poker, eat, drink. Best happy hour, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. PT's fuels the monologue. And I love these. I love weekends like this. The last weekend was a long weekend. That game Sunday night made it a long weekend, if you know what I'm saying, right? Ended Sunday night late after I got off the air after the postgame show. And boom, right into Monday. And the Raiders got smoked. They got hammered at home. And it was their biggest beatdown, the worst loss of the season. So how does the team react coming off that? We saw how they reacted. They were in the game against the Giants. Should have beat the Giants. They didn't. Last year, they lost to Atlanta. Uh, the Atlanta loss really was the beginning of a lot of fluctuation and inconsistency with this team. They barely beat the Jets on a last-second bomb. And then the season, they ran out of time. A couple of really bizarre losses most importantly to Miami on a game where they should have beat Miami with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick and we remember what happened there we're hoping that doesn't happen this year right everybody that's where we're all at we're all together on the same page there are different categories of Raider fans there's the doom and gloomers the fans who are optimistic and I think the fans most of us are all in the same boat right in the middle that everybody knows what could happen which could be unfortunate but people are hoping for the best. And you're somewhere in the middle where you want to see this team prove it to you. Prove it to you that they're going to start winning games again. they got to win a lot of games. And there's a lot of games left. They played 9 out of 17. So we're a little bit past the halfway point. And the next few days are going to decide what happens. The next few days are going to decide everything. In a week, in a week, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys Raiders can go 2-0, and they could go 1-1, and they could go 0-2. And, and that will decide pretty much the season, I believe. And if they're able to split or they're able to win two, I think they'll be euphoria in the Raider Nation. Raider Nation will be back. But I'm just looking at this first game. This first game's a big one. I was over at the facility today. I interviewed Coach Passaccia on the TV set of the Silver and Black Show. I'll be hosting that show and doing the coach's interview here this weekend. So I got a busy day tomorrow. We have a shortened show as I'll be at the Raider facility uh, hosting the Silver and Black show. So I want to get after it today. want to get after it in a big way. Yesterday was an outstanding show with people really trying to put the game plan together. And that's where we're at today. We install the game plan on Thursday. And we try to figure out what's going to happen in this game. And it is, these two teams are identical. Man, they are identical. They have the identical record. They're pretty much the same in offense and defensive stats. They both lost two in a row. They're both fighting to be in the division race. And they're both wild card contenders. Actually, the Raiders seated right ahead of Cincinnati 
So a lot of people are talking about this as a playoff game and a wild card game. If this was week 16 or 15, I, w- I would agree. If it was, if the Bengals were playing the Raiders in a couple more weeks and they were tied and they were one game out of the wild card, we would go with it as a playoff game. So I think diehard Raider fans realize this is a playoff game in a lot of ways. You beat Cincinnati, you go a game up, and you have the tiebreaker on them in the wild card race. And the Raiders are right back in the division, depending on what happens with Kansas City. I'm starting to scoreboard watch like you are. And we're starting to realize that the Raiders need some help. they got to take care of business and win games, but they need other teams to lose. And Denver, I think the Raiders are better than Denver, and they've proven that this year. But I don't think the Raiders are better than the Chargers or Kansas City. So there's going to need some help to help out the Raiders jump those teams. Kansas City plays Dallas. I think Dallas is a great team. They have a very good roster, and we'll talk about it here the rest of the week, that that Dallas roster is better than Kansas City, and that's hard to say because Kansas City's roster over the last three years and went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls is arguably the best. Right now with Tom Brady and the roster that he has in Tampa Bay or Green Bay's roster. Those are the top three in my opinion. But the Chargers get a big break this Sunday at home as Ben Roethlisberger might not play. If Roethlisberger doesn't play, I don't think they have a chance. The Steelers don't have a chance with Mason Rudolph. And the Chargers, very similar to the Raiders, they're due for a win. The Chargers, very fortunately, have given the Raiders a gift. The Chargers could have ran away with this division. They have the quarterback. They have the players to do it on both sides of the ball. And for whatever reason, they can't do it. So that is a gift from the NFL gods to the Raiders that the Chargers haven't run away with the division. Because the Chargers could do that. And the Chargers could get very hot here down the stretch. Same could be said for Kansas City. Kansas City has been playing poorly all year long. Got real healthy against the Raiders. And everybody's still talking about it. You know, it's incredible as I consume sports media like you do and what could happen in a matter of a week. So a week ago, no one was talking about Kansas City. They're broke. Ryan Clark said on ESPN, they're broke. How do you fix them? And now this week, they're back. Remember Cam Newton scored? He said, I'm back. Well, everybody in the media says Kansas City's back, and that's unfortunately because they hammered the Raiders Sunday night on national TV. When you play on national TV and you play great, it's like one and a half wins because the whole country sees it, and that's the only game they're watching. And the media believes that Kansas City's back, and there's a love affair going on in L.A. with the media and the Chargers because the L.A. media doesn't like the Raiders, and they're kissing the Chargers' ass every time they do something positive. You notice you don't see the negative attention with the Chargers the way you see the negative attention with the Raiders. A four-year-old could figure that out if you put him in front of a TV for 10 minutes. When the Chargers win, it's gift baskets, bagels and croissants, and parades in Inglewood. When the Chargers lose, you don't hear much about it. No one's interviewing, talking about it at all. When the Raiders lose, the sky is falling. And when the Raiders win, I think the media, the media would like to, a lot of the media wants to get behind the Raiders. The problem is the Raiders haven't given the media over the last 19, 20 years, enough reason for the media to get behind him. So we stand together, I think, Raider Nation Unite, as I always say, with a big game coming up on Sunday against the Bengals, a game that they must win, a game they should win. If it was at Cincinnati, 
with cold weather and rain and a little sleet. You could say Cincinnati's the better team, but this is in Allegiant Stadium. You're not going to see the fans the way you saw the Chief fans or the the Chicago fans. I just don't think there's as many, but remember, all the Cincinnati fans want to come to Vegas, and they want to come to Vegas not only for the game but for Thanksgiving and get a couple of days out here. So there will be Cincinnati fans, and the Raider fans got to be louder and possibly as loud as ever. As I talked to Coach Passaccia today, it's really interesting about Joe Burrow. He didn't want to talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase as a one-two punch. He wants to talk about their entire offense and how they run the ball with Mixon and how they work play action. So as we dive into this game plan with your phone calls at 702-365-9200, what do you want to do here? They have a three-headed monster in a triangle like I talk about with the Raiders. And that'll be Joe Mixon. That'll be Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So pick your poison. It's a little bit different than Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. But Jamar Chase is going to demand the double team, more so than when Henry Ruggs was with the Raiders and Deshaun Jackson now. They have a much better wide receiver, pure wide receiver than the Raiders have. And I'm a big Hunter Renthro guy, but he can't fly like Jamar Chase. And they also have a running back who's better than Josh Jacobs, and he shouldn't be. Josh Jacobs should be better than Joe Mixon, but for whatever reason, he's not. And I'm kind of shocked by that. I thought Josh Jacobs was supposed to be better than some of the running backs in this league that put up better numbers than him. And I don't know how anybody could have confidence in Josh Jacobs just having just one game, which all running backs, the great ones have had, just one game. 21 carries, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Can he do it? If he can't do that once or twice a year, what is he doing here? He's a very good player, Josh Jacobs. But where's the game when you need him? Where is the game where he can get going? And I think there's a built-in excuse. A lot of people don't think the offensive line is good enough. Trent Brown, not yet. Young player. Colt Miller, absolutely. About to become a pro bowler, I believe, for years to come. And then as they rebuild the interior of that offensive line, it's just not good enough for Josh Jacobs to consistently run through holes. But it'd be nice if he did it in this game. It'd be nice on second and seven if Josh Jacobs picked up a first down. Because if he doesn't, and it's second and seven, and they hand it off, and he picks up four yards, it's the same thing, everybody, that's been going on this year. It's third and three. Derek in the shotgun, the pocket breaking down, Waller double teamed, and hope, hope that Derek can get the ball out to someone who's open, which that was happening early in the year against Baltimore and Pittsburgh and with 30 unanswered against Philadelphia. Clean pocket, ball comes out quick, move the chains first downs. When was the last time that happened around here? I mean, I'm just talking about five-yard in-and-out routes just to pick up first downs on third down. That's Derek Carr. Carr's got to be exceptional at this in this game. We'll play it tomorrow, but I talked to Coach Passacci about up-tempo, and it's kind of a touchy topic. I think it is. I think it's a little bit of a touchy topic because when you say, how come you're not going up-tempo or what do you got to do to go up-tempo, it's really a criticism of them not running up-tempo. I mean, what, what position am I in here? If I don't say it, you're going to hammer me. 
And if I say it, it kind of makes people uncomfortable that we believe, we, the Raider Nation, believe that they don't get that the pace of the game needs to be picked up a bit. So I asked them about it. You'll hear that tomorrow on No Huddle, pick up the pace, and go. It's not like his answer is going to get into the bulletin board of Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's going to say, oh, my God, I don't believe what Coach Passaccia told JT the Brick on the Silver and Black show. They're going to run no huddle. No, it wasn't about that. It's just about bringing up the obvious that the Raiders have to play much faster. And I think that'll be the test in the first quarter of this game. I would personally be shocked if the Raiders don't get the ball, forget about deferring to the second half, take the ball and go. And go no huddle or go up tempo and try to catch Cincinnati off guard. If they're able to do that, then Cincinnati can't substitute the way they'd like to. And maybe it could get Derek in a lather in a flow. I was talking to my son about that. He's a junior at Oklahoma. He's going to go to Dallas for the Thanksgiving Day. Instead of coming home here, he's going to go to the game. And I was talking to him last night about this topic. And he said that. He goes, you know, Derek's best when he quickly gets to the line of scrimmage because he's so good at reading the defense, he can see a mismatch easier. When you put Derek in the huddle for 20 seconds, he breaks the huddle. Everybody on Kansas City had a glass of water, a cup of tea. They set the defense. Now Derek's looking at their base defense, and then quickly the clock is running and he's got to call a play or make an adjustment. I believe the strength of this football team is number four, Derek Carr. He is a borderline pro bowler. He is a borderline elite quarterback, which means he's very good, but he's not going to go to the Pro Bowl in the AFC other than as an alternate because Lamar Jackson is much better, Patrick Mahomes is much better, and Justin Herbert a lot of people think is better. And that's just three quarterbacks that I can talk about off the top of my head. There are going to be years where Joe Burrow goes to the Pro Bowl, right? There are going to be years in the AFC where Trevor Lawrence goes to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Deshaun Watson might be the best quarterback of all if he comes back. He's gone to the Pro Bowl. So Derek has got to get back to playing at a Pro Bowl level. What do you believe is most conducive for him to play his best game? Other than Captain Obvious, he needs a clean pocket. Not going to get one. I mean, we're sitting here now going into week 11 of the season. I think it's safe to say at times he could have a clean pocket, but I think that Derek and the coaching staff must demand that he does more outside the pocket. He has to move the pocket. He has to step up in the pocket. He has to run to his left, run to his right, and he's got to make some throws, which he's paid to do. And I think he can do it because I've seen him do it multiple times. So that's what I think about the game here. We got some sound to play. We got some good guests. I was talking about this weekend here for those who are out of town. It's just incredible. Uh, tomorrow night I'll go to UNLV Michigan. That'll be at T-Mobile Arena. It's a big basketball game. Come on out and support Kevin Kruger. Come on, everybody. Lon Kruger's son, Kevin, head coach of UNLV. They're off to a good start. They're playing Michigan, who already lost this week, who are ranked number four. That's a T-Mobile. So my wife and I are going there Friday night. Saturday I'll be ringside for Crawford Porter. Really good fight. I think the two greatest fighters in the world are Terrence Crawford and Canelo Alvarez. Fortunately, they have most of their fights in Vegas. So that's a massive fight over at the Mandalay Bay. And then Sunday, I'll be over at the Torch, sitting there at the Torch doing the pre- and post-game show for the Bengals game. 
So once again, that is an entertainment stress test. And that doesn't even add up all the concerts that are in town, all the restaurants, all the nightclubs, everything that we have here in Vegas. But a lot of Raider fans are saying, hey, JT, let's forget about the nightclubs and the entertainment and who's playing where and what's going on. Let's get back to football. I get it. I know you want to see a football game with the Raiders win a football game and the whole season is saved. Six and four, six and four after 10 games is an absolute best case scenario after the first head coach was resigned because of the emails, the first pick in Vegas Raider history, Henry Ruggs III, in a car accident tragedy that killed Tina Tintor, Damon Arnett running around in his house like he's in a video game. What a bust that pick was, an absolute bust, because he's out of the organization for acting like a gangster. He's gone. And then you get to six and four with all of that? Oh, I'd take that all day long. And that's all I got. I got nothing else other than that. That's all we got. Get to six and four. Get to six and four. Celebrate six and four and go, whoa. All right, man. Now let's take a look at what could happen next. But it doesn't happen unless you get to six and four. Then it's five and five, and then it's must win, must win, must win, must win. And I've done that before on the radio. I can do it again, but it sucks. It really does. When you have to look at every game with seven or eight more left and you have to treat it like it's do or die. You want to have a little bit of breathing room? And you get that if you can beat the Cincinnati Bengals, a Cincinnati team that the Raiders should be good enough to beat. So that's where we're at. What do you have to say? We open up the phones. We're a two-hour show. We go very fast. We have all our partners here. We want to make sure they're happy with the show because all of our partners here listen to the show as we're brought to you by Charles Woodson's Bourbon Whiskey. I'm looking at a bottle here in my home studio. He gave them out as gifts over the weekend at his, at his Hall of Fame ring ceremony as he partnered with the Raiders. It was one of the most magical nights I ever had with Charles. And he thanked me. He thanked the Raider Nation. And he wanted to make sure he thanks you for supporting his brand, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, ask for it wherever you are, from grocery stores to bars, restaurants. Make sure they have it. Ask for it. Also ask for his wine. All right, coming off his birthday, Chris in West Oakland, kind enough to start us off. Happy birthday, Chris. Belated. Go ahead. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And there was a couple of shots of Crown Royal had. Uh, <laughs> that's a story for another day. I'm going to be real quick because i got to get on the bus. We're getting ready to get out of here. But – Real quick, uh, exactly what you said about um, starting the game off. I've seen enough of deferring to the second half. I'm with you. I'm tired of deferring. Let's get the ball. Let's go no huddle right out of the gate. The last five years, the Raiders have scored more points than any team in, the football, in football in the last two minutes of each half. It's when Derek Carr is at his best. He's in complete control of this offense. He knows it like the back of his hand. He spreads the ball around. Let's put him in the best possible position and let him run the game from the line of scrimmage. And let's get up 7 nothing this week instead of constantly being down 7 nothing. it seems like every, every week uh, the way we start. Josh Jacobs, I don't want to hear any more the Raiders need to get him going. Look, it is what it is. He's not a bell cow back. He's not a 20-25 to 25 running, uh, carry a game back. He's a solid running back whose career long is the – the offensive line isn't good enough to get those 
seven, eight-yard consistent runs to get to that 120-yard mark, and he doesn't have the game-breaking speed to break off a 60- or a 70-yard run to get to that total. Kenyon Drake, I fully believe, is a better option at this point, and I don't know why the Raiders seem to be so reluctant to use him. His yards per carriage is double that of Josh Jacobs. I think they're doing the offense a huge disservice by not playing Kenyon Drake a little more. And on the defensive side of the ball, look, you got a young quarterback who's very good but still will make mistakes. we got to create two or three turnovers because here we are again, JT, nine weeks into the season. The Raiders are the bottom five in, broken record time, interception. If I come on here Monday morning and we don't get an interception from Joe Burrow, let alone two or three, most likely we're probably not going to be talking about a Raider win. So start fast, pressure the quarterback, get up big early, and make this kid have to beat you with his arm. Make him one-dimensional. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for the birthday wishes. And, uh, by the way, I'm booked for uh, I'm booked for Washington. I'll touch base with you when we get closer. Thank okay. you, my friend. Later. Brilliant, brilliant phone call. It's really, it's really the game plan. I'm looking for you to install the game plan with me today for radio purposes, and really that's what it is. Let Carr, Carr call the game at the line of scrimmage. Start fast, play with a lead, and make Burrow pass predictable. Make Burrow trail so he has to pass. And look, when he has to pass, he's damn good. But he's a young player in the league. I mean, come on, he played one year, he got injured. He had a severe injury, and now he's back, and he's turned the ball over a lot. We're not talking about Joe Burrow five years from now, six years from now, where he's been to three or four Pro Bowls. You're catching him early. You're catching him early. Beat him when he's young, like Jalen Hurts. You know, beat these guys when they enter the league, and you got an advantage at quarterback, and the Raiders do with Derek Carr. Passionate Raider in Illinois, you're up next. Go ahead on the flagship. What's up, JT? Man, great phone call, Chris. Great great commentary, JT. I mean, it's like listening to you. It's like how my views are. It's just so hard for me to get them out in a short period of time to where I get to them. But anyway, we're going to move on. First, my first, my first point I want to get to today, JT, when you were talking earlier about the playing Cincinnati this week. Hey, we better, we, we better just not worry about uh, uh, Chase and um, and Mixon because they got Higgins, Boyd, Azuma. I mean, I think that their offense is pretty much stacked and going against our defense right now. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I really do believe Derek Carr can score on this defense. I'm not scared of anyone on this defense, but like you guys have been saying, it has to be changed. It's got to be a change. Uh, pace. Why can't we run a four or five wide wide receiver set every time and let Derek go in the shotgun, pick up our five yards and, and, and play and move in the play action pass or move in a, 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 a run off of that instead of the same sets every single time where they know what we're going to do. And then my third, my third thing is, what do we think about keeping Abrams, just totally eliminate him from, 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 from pass coverage? Run another an yeah. extra man. Run an extra man to keep that man inside the box because that's where he is deadly at. If they got, if he has to get outside the box, we're in trouble. But like Chris said, we're going to have to get turnovers off of Young Joe Burrow. He's a very smart quarterback. And one more point I had to say, JT, to come across my heart today is when teams come to play in Vegas, they are coming to play in Vegas. It is a showtime for a, a team mm-hmm. coming to this stadium. So Raiders are going to get everybody's best every time. Yeah. So and they're going to have to really buckle it. I think we've got more favor on the road than we do at home because these teams are coming to Vegas because they want to show out too, JT. Have a great, have a great yeah. day. Great. Thank you, man. You're so yeah, awesome. thank you. Look, I'm at every game. I'm a season ticket holder. 
I hear how loud it is with Raider fans. The Raider fans have been incredibly loud, incredibly into it, other than when they're getting beat. And the other fans are loud because they're showing up here. Right? It's not 50-50 fan bases. It's not even close. I'm there for the games. I know how many fans are there from the other team. It's too much. But it isn't this stupid number that some people are saying in Kansas City or Chicago or Philadelphia. The problem is that the Raiders, when they trail, the stadium gets pretty quiet when they're trailing. And I think we're in that learning curve, and we knew that. Look, the team is not in Oakland anymore in the 70s, and it, you know, the 70s would snake. Okay? It's 2021. There's entertainment. There's people coming. And there are people spending whatever they want to get in. People are losing track of that for a second. You're a couple from Cincinnati. You're coming out here. Before you buy your plane ticket, you're going to StubHub or a brokerage, and you're paying whatever it costs to come. For some, they're paying $400 a ticket. For others, they're paying $1,100 a ticket. They cannot be kept out. They're paying a price that is so enormous that you just got to deal with it. All right, now, if Raider fans were selling their tickets at face value or giving them away for free, then we'd have a lot to complain about here. But, I mean, dip the show in reality. Everybody knows it's the first year, the first two, three years with fans in Vegas. Other fans are coming out to Vegas. Okay, they used to come out to Vegas without a football team to see Elvis, Sinatra, Sammy Davis, every great concert in the world, every great show. There was no football game to keep them interested on Sunday. Now they're going to a football game. I don't love it, but I I told you this two years ago that this was going to happen. Deal with it. And if you're, if you're a whiner and complainer and you can't handle it, don't come. Don't come. There's plenty of Raider fans that want your ticket because they weren't able to buy them because they were all sold out. So I understand why people are complaining and they're upset about it and they don't want to see four Kansas City fans behind them and all that. It's a reality. We can't do anything about it. People are going to spend money in this economy and overpay for Raider tickets because they want to go to Allegiant Stadium. They want to see a football game, and they'll do what they'll, – they'll make five car payments to get a ticket to a Raider game. And, and you think you have the answer to keep them all out? What's, what's the answer? There is no bleeping answer. The answer is some of these fans are going to pay brokers whatever it takes to get in or they can't come, right? They're not coming off the plane from Cincinnati or Chicago without a ticket saying – Oh, I'll figure it out when I get to the front. Don't work that way. In order to get a ticket, after you get the ticket, then you get the hotel room. Then you get the flight. And now your flight costs a thousand bucks or eight hundred bucks. Your hotel room's three hundred and fifty a night. Your game tickets five hundred to a thousand. And these are people that are budgeting it in because they want to do whatever they can to see their team. Get over it. It's gonna happen. It's not gonna change in the next week because you want it to change. But you have the luxury of having a brand-new stadium, home of the Raiders, in Vegas, with a team that's above 500 in what feels to be a must-win situation. Here is Robert in Portland, who's up next. Hello, Robert. Yeah, JT, this, this game is going to be uh, decided merely with Burrow's time to pass. I, I absolutely know what happened to him at Cleveland. Um, it's actually, the game was in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago for their bye. And he didn't have time to do anything. And the game before that against the Jets, he was ha- hassled as well. We have to put pressure on him up front. I don't mm-hmm. care if we have to blitz. That's the key to get off to a fast start. And, of course, we've got Derek Carr, who I th- think is going to be determined to make up for what's gone on the last two weeks. I mean, after all, the guy 
And Mike Sando's report in the uh, Athletic today was written, remarkable article, included many graphs. It showed how poor Carr was supported since 2000. All the quarterbacks that were rated from 2000 on, and they played at least six straight seasons for their respective teams, Derek Carr and Ryan were supported the least by their special teams and defense. Mm -hmm. So we all have to remember that. I mean, if you guys want to complain about Carr, look at that article today by Mike Sando. It opened my eyes because I get pissed Mm -hmm. at Derek Carr, but I know that he's going to be determined to make up for this. And I just think it's going to be a great game on Sunday. That's just the way I feel, and I think you're right about getting off to a fast start. But the defense has to finish this game. They have to absolutely put pressure on Burrow, or it's going to be, you know, Katie by the boat, Katie by the door. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for the call. We know that Derek Carr has had an uphill battle. He came to this team and he started off. He started off 0 10, so we're aware of that. We know what, how he's been able to turn it around and play at a very high level. Now it comes to the point where he has to carry the team, which is a very important topic in the history of sports. It's usually, we think of Joe Montana carrying a team. Joe Montana was the be- one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best. He had Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, John Taylor. Okay, He's got better players than Derek Carr's ever had, but he carried the team. He made plays on third down when he got his head ripped off going backwards. He was Joe Montana. We're not asking Derek to be Joe Montana. What we're doing is we're asking Derek to beat Joe Burrow. Even though he doesn't guard him, it's not basketball, where you can say, hey, Derek, you know, you got to go cover Joe Burrow and you got to score on him. It's football. We know it. But Derek's got to have some big games here down the stretch. And does he understand that? Sure he does. He talks about it all the time. So this has got to be a great week of preparation. They've got to find some wrinkles in this offense and pull something off. That opens up a phone line for you. Let's get some playoff energy here. Triple Eight Mad Dog 6. Excuse me. That's a night show. I know, Bobby. 702-365-9200. And I don't even have a Remy Martin in my hand. Hey, Remy Martin says team up for excellence and be smart over the holiday season, especially Thanksgiving. Get an Uber. Get a Lyft. Be responsible, like my good friends at Remy Martin, that remind you, team up for excellence. Talking about go balls, or talking about you know this coverage or this footwork, or how to, you know this trajectory of a throw, and uh, just studying that with you know with him, and just becoming a better player. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a really, really good football coach. Um, and our relationship, we still talk, we still text. Um, he'll send me, uh, you know, when we're not playing each other, obviously, he'll send me a throw that I made in the game, and just be like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, like things like that. So he's still, and and, and that's that's not uncommon. That's that. I, you know, coaches and players all over the place still, you know, do those things because you just, this league is too hard to do it on your own. So you're always encouraging each other, you know. Derek Carr and uh, Raider fans have been encouraging him. You should. Uh, he's the quarterback, the franchise quarterback for this team. JT back with you, and he's got to get going here. He's got to have a big game coming up here. Uh, just added Vic Tafer, Raider insider, will join us at 130. 
And Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox is going to join us here in a moment. Nice to get Chris up here. A couple of things tonight. We got a game, New England-Atlanta. Everybody's building this up as the replay of the Super Bowl game. That was one of the most important comebacks in the history of the sport as New England was down 28-3 with Tom Brady. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. Matt Ryan, future Hall of Fame quarterback-to-quarterback. Julio Jones, future Hall of Fame wide receiver, and they blew the game. Today, if you ever want, and I don't expect you to do it, Atlanta fans have, if you ever want to see the true definition of a collapse, it was led by Kyle Shanahan. Anybody could have closed that game out up 28-3. to All they had to do was run it, run it a little bit more and punt it. They chose not to do it. They threw the ball on second and third down incompletes, and they let New England climb back into the game. All they needed was a few first downs in the second half to extend it, have New England burn timeouts earlier, and Brady comes all the way back and wins that. If Brady didn't come back and win that, that would have been four Super Bowl losses for Brady and one less win. That would have been two losses to Eli Manning, one to Nick Foles, and one to Matt Ryan. Would Brady still be the greatest quarterback of all time? Absolutely. But you wonder how he has seven? Remember, he beat Jake DeLome to win one. He beat Donovan McNabb barely to win one. I mean, this Brady thing's pretty special, but a lot of it has to do with that win. The line opened up New England minus four. Now it's New England minus six and a half. Uh, You can pretty much pencil New England into the playoffs, everybody. I picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, win it. And I didn't think New England would be anywhere near Buffalo. I, I thought Buffalo would win that division by four games. Not looking that way. New England really showed up. New England looks legit. Absolutely legit. All right, we got him. Chris Myers, my longtime friend from the NFL on Fox. All the great interviews, NASCAR. He's one of the premier broadcasters in all of sports, and he's kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Chris, happy Thanksgiving coming off the game you had. You had the tie in Pittsburgh with the Lions, and now you got the Niners game coming up. How are you? I'm good, and, and hope your family is well, and you have a great stretch. Uh, some interesting football. It's been a crazy year, JT. You know, we're more than halfway, and there's still so much unpredictability. If you try to say each week, it seems like, you know, not only is there a different MVP that steps forward, or MVP candidate, I should say, but there's a different powerhouse team, and then somebody falls to the, you know, like the Cowboys the previous week, and then they bounce back. The Rams look like a great team, and then back-to-back losses. So it's it's fascinating. And, and we had, you know, the Steeler game without Ben Roethlisberger, Daryl Johnston and I, Mm-hmm. Calling that and and Detroit with a great opportunity. We uh, they had some close games that, that they've lost this year, but still winless. And through an overtime, a tie that players on both sides, some of the young players, uh, didn't even know you could end up in a tie. They were thinking <laughs> they had college rules. But uh, it's it's been an entertaining year so far. I can't wait for the uh, for the back half of the season to see where it all takes us. Chris, take me back to that game, Dan Campbell taking over play calling it, it got a little conservative at times because as you know you're calling an o- you're calling an overtime game that could be a tie when you're deep in overtime deep in overtime under three minutes to go you don't want to lose at that point after playing that long so you got to punt punt it out of your side of the field and do all that what was going through your mind broadcasting that game knowing that the lions really desperately wanted to win but they couldn't afford to lose the game how conservative did both teams get well, they, they both, uh, they both uh, not excuses, but had reasons. You didn't have yeah. Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, Rudolph is your, uh, an established backup, but he's not a very accurate quarterback. 
the weather conditions had a little bit to this sloppy field. It, I mean, guys can play through that, but it certainly affected the passing game. On the part of Dan Campbell, I thought he called a pretty good game, but then he, he was down a running back right away. Jamar Jefferson got hurt, so he had to lean on Swift entirely. And, and Jared Goff, you know, the information of the course of the game, I mean, he doesn't have a great year anyway, but he, has, he really has no weapons around him. I mean, let's be honest, the Lions receivers would not start for any other team. They might not make a practice squad. Now, Hawkinson, you know, their they're top pass catcher, and, and then Swift out of the backfield, they, they couldn't get the ball to him throughout the entire game. They didn't even target him a lot, so they ran the ball successfully. But I, I think when Goff got hit early, and I think this was late first quarter, early second quarter, and, and he had later, we learned it was an oblique injury, but lower back pain. I think there was some concern about how far he could throw or what kind of pain he was in. And, and I, I thought maybe there, Dan Campbell, who had, had a pretty good setup going in, and it was working against the Steelers that he might go to the bench. But again, he doesn't. He has Blau, and and then mm-hmm. they signed Tim Boyle, who's getting reps this week for the Lions. So it, it was frustrating. Both teams, I thought, and Mike Tomlin too, played it a little bit too conservative. Yes. Not only in overtime, but towards the the end of the regular season. And and the Steelers obviously had a lot to play for too, with a winning streak on the line. But uh, it, it, that's what's great about the league this year, and pretty much every year. You know, you hear the expression "throw the records out the window." Here you have this winless team, and then another team that was going for its fifth straight win, and they they played to a uh, to a dead all tie even through overtime. Chris Myers joins us, NFL on Fox. So you got a very interesting game. You're going to get a call a game, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the number one pick overall, that's a big deal. You've been broadcasting a while. Remember when Peyton Manning was a rookie? All these great quarterbacks throughout the year. Tom Brady was once a rookie, but he came in in, in, a, in a role after Bledsoe got hurt. But to see Lawrence play live as they've already won two games. And the Niners, Chris, you know, I was on the air Monday night, and as that game developed, the Niners played one of the best football games of the year. Their back was against the wall. If they lose, they drop the three and six. The season had to be over at three and six. They win the game, and they're one spot out of the playoffs as the seven seed. I think the Niners flipped the switch. That that team looked outstanding, and now I expect them to get on a mini roll. Yeah, and they, they just had another injury at running back, but they are getting some defense players back. Greenlaw and Jaquaski Tart in the secondary. So their defense, which is slowly getting better and healthier with D'Amico Ryans, the coordinator. They really miss Robert Sala, who was a terrific Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator and is having a tough time as a head coach of the Jets, kind of like Todd Todd Bowles reminds me of that situation. But you're you're spot on about the Niners. I mean, this was their this was their season. And and this is the cap people said, Oh, well, you know, they they took the, the, the blueprint or the game plan from what the Titans did the week before about physically steamrolling. No, the Titans took what Shanahan and the 49ers have done to the Rams for the four previous meetings. And it's funny because Sean McVay knows that he's gonna get this this physical in your face, the pancake blocks from Kittle and and then the you know the the, the running backs going in different the different directions as the shadow has and they they can't seem to stop it and look Stafford has has for all that the Rams, the Rams traded for him to get away from the turnovers that was the knock on Goff who by the way not only took him to a playoff game but won a playoff game last year and Stafford's got to stop the picks I mean he's he's putting him in a hole uh, and, and like he did with Tennessee and then and then of course the 49ers or whoever they're playing can pile on afterwards run the ball control the control the game and I will say this about Odell Beckham look he's not the same he's no longer a difference maker uh, for all his hype and his one-handed catching and I don't think the Rams 
would have gone after him if they didn't have the severe injury to Robert Woods and have him out for uh, the year. So that, that had real little impact, and I don't think it will have a lot of impact. They have other people that they're going to have to lean on, and hopefully for the Rams get Cam Akers back later in the year, and that'll, that'll help balance things out. But Sean McVay's going to have to adjust some things on offense, and that defense should be, should be better for the Rams. They should be dominant. But back to your point with Trevor Lawrence, I'm excited to see this because also Jacksonville's playing better football. The, the defense I and mean, the fact that they beat Buffalo a couple of weeks ago and, and held them uh, what under 10 points uh, is impressive. So this will be an interesting game, especially with the Niners coming off, off the high of, of that Monday night win and then having traveling uh, to the East Coast to play uh, uh, Lawrence and the, and the Jags in Jacksonville. Chris Myers, follow him on Instagram and on Twitter. Cowboys at the Chiefs. I saw the Chiefs hammer the Raiders on Sunday night, and I don't know what Chiefs team's going to show up, but they looked unreal as, you know, that's a common opponent in the Raiders. They clicked in that game, and the Cowboys went healthy. That's a big game also on Fox. That's a massive game. If the Cowboys can win, Chris, they're running away with the East. They shouldn't have problems in that division. And if the Chiefs lose at home, you know, they're 6-5, and five and that division's wide open again. Yeah, and you make a good point about both the Cowboys and Chiefs. I think they're both coming off their their best games of the year, most complete. Obviously, you can look at however you want the the opponent. I, I still am not a big believer in the in the Kansas City defense, but I, I I will say that Mahomes seems to be seeing the field a little bit better, and their running game is working a little bit. Uh, so so they seem to be clicking. They are at home in this game. Uh, Dallas, Dan Quinn's done a great job, terrific job with that defense. Other than when they had the the misstep against uh, Denver, and, and I think if the Cowboys are healthy with all their offensive weapons, they're top scoring, one of the top scoring teams in the entire NFL. Yeah, this is a good one. I, you know, I'm leaning towards Dallas in this, and we haven't had a whole lot this year, JT, of because there's a handful of these bad teams, you know, the like the Lions or or uh, you know the, the Texans who just. You know, we, so we like a matchup when you have two kind of top-level teams like the Cowboys and Chiefs. That it's almost like a playoff game, and we'll see that the following weekend when the Rams meet the Packers. Which I, I think that's the sidestep too, worth mentioning. Green Bay is emerging more to what I, I, I think their head coach wanted him to become with AJ Dillon, and you know, so they can yeah they have Rodgers, but it's not all Aaron Rodgers, and their defense has really improved even with starters out. And, and if they have the defense, that's something they haven't had the last few years when the Packers have lost in the championship game. So that'll really kind of clutter up the top of the NFC when you think of Dallas. Is it Arizona? Is it the Rams? You know, which team uh, will it be to? And then, of course, you know, the Packers. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox and the great job, the great career with NASCAR. NASCAR on Fox. Kyle Larson wins. Uh, there'll be a race at the Coliseum in Los Angeles, which is really exciting to me. And, Chris, I did a lot of NASCAR this year, and I love talking about it because I know fans can interact with the drivers and with some of the COVID protocols. As fans started getting back to these tracks all around the country, I think the sport, the flyovers, the anthem, the fans feeling great again about the country and sports. They played a major role, major role over the last 18, 19 months here. What are you most excited about this offseason going into next year. Yeah, when you think about it, they were really the first sport back, and obviously mm-hmm. without any kind of fans and limited access with crew members and drivers in a car, but uh, to broadcast it on TV, and it helped bring back all of us going through such a difficult time. Well, Kyle Larson, it wasn't just a win. It was a, it was a beatdown. I mean, a dominant mm-hmm. season uh, for a driver from, from Northern California who got into NASCAR, and you know, he's part Japanese through the diversity 
uh, program, uh, was out of a job, out of a ride because of some comments that, that were made, apologized, went through the process, and has come back at Rick Hendrick and, and, and the Hendrick uh, Motorsports, really led by Jeff Gordon, too, on, on that side, gave him the opportunity, showed. He was a guy who for years people said, hey, he's got great driving skills, but can he close, can he finish? And, and with the right equipment, the right team behind him and pit crew, he showed how, how dominant he could be as NASCAR's champion. Yeah, I, I think this will be a, a historic event at the iconic L.A. Coliseum. It's the it's the Sunday before the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, where the Super Bowl is, of course, at at uh, SoFi. So to have it at the Coliseum to, to to move in after the football season and tear up the grass field, put asphalt down, and have you know, 60,000 fans right on top of a short track race. It'll be the clash at the Coliseum for the first time, right? NASCAR there and Kyle Larson will be a part of that. And then after the Super Bowl, the Daytona. 500. So there, there's a, a lot a lot to look forward to in, in the NASCAR season. And you hit on it before, I, I think, with some of the younger drivers and also the idea that they're moving the schedule around to some different tracks and different locations at different times of the year uh, to try and listen more to the to the fan base about where they can catch a race. I think they'll be running in St. Louis this year, at least on the uh, on the cup side with with Fox. They may have an all-star race soon in Nashville. So there are a lot of things to, to look forward to if you're a NASCAR fan. Chris, tell everybody about your website. You got some of your best interviews that you've had at Chris Meyer Sports, and I know you're always adding content to it. Uh, there's really old photos, things you've done back in the day, and right up to what you're building now. What's new? Yeah, yeah I mean, from, from, from NFL notes currently to back when we did, like, up-close interviews and CMI, the Chris Myers interview I did a, a for the Marquee Network, a one-hour Charles Barkley Raw interview that you could it's unedited so there's some language in there that you know charles <laughs> normally you, you wouldn't hear on tv well you might with him but it's yeah. chrismeyersports.com but also we update pretty much every other day during the season i have some help with with what we call you have to click on the daily briefing and that's football notes it's kind of gathering of writers who cover the league from different places we put them all in one spot whether it's an albert breer or peter king or or just notes from a local writer who has the story on whatever is is hot and going on so uh it's just something that i enjoy we put nascar notes and info up during the season as well for people to read at when they or to take a look at i should say and read when they have the opportunity so i appreciate you mentioning that and on instagram it's chris myers fox which i always try to you know instagram's more visual you gotta get on the gram here and all the players you know you gotta get a picture of the stadium or where you are or some kind of video so if i have time between work i'll i'll get something out there and on there along with twitter thank you chris great talking to you again again have a great thanksgiving i hope to see you real soon all right we'll talk to you later on you take care you too chris chris myers on the gram on instagram my wife follows him on instagram and he puts out some really cool stuff on game day. You know, good stuff from the field and all that. If you're an NFL fan, follow my friend Chris Myers. Good guy. All right, next hour, James Smitty Smith's going to join us. Great boxing analyst, Crawford Porter. Big fight Saturday night. I'll be ringside forward, excited. That'll be at the Mandalay Bay. Also, Vic Tafer will join us at the bottom of the next hour, and we should have some sound. I'd like to hear some Gus Bradley sound. I believe Gus is speaking, and I want to know what they're going to do because you know, Gus Bradley's getting a lot of positive press this year, rightfully so, but the Raiders got hammered in that game, and it was the Raider defense that didn't show up. Offense struggled too, both ways, but I want to know what they're going to do to put this game plan in against Cincinnati. Also breaking news, Joe Flacco is the latest NFL player to acknowledge publicly that he's unvaccinated. No reason, have no idea about it, 
We found this out yesterday. Why didn't we know early? Well, you could say it's none of our business. Jet fans didn't know, and the Jet fans need to know because the quarterback that they drafted, number two, Zach Wilson, he got hurt. He's out. Then they went with Mike White, and he was supposed to be the savior. He was so bad that they're going to Flacco. And this is a big deal because he's unvaccinated. If he gets COVID, then he can't play, and they'd be in a really tough spot. So Joe Flacco said, quote, I'm not vaccinated. Asked to discuss the reasons. Said he didn't want to. Doesn't want to create a distraction. I definitely have my reasons. Honestly, I'd probably like to talk about this topic more than anyone. It's one of those things that you debate with all the time. Well, Joe's not talking because he saw what happened to the brand of Aaron Rodgers and the heat he got. We'll get into boxing and back to the Raiders and the Bengals as we're brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had.